Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the In the Eleven podcast. I am your host, Brendan Griffiths, and this is the show where we bring on those from the world of football to show you what it takes to be in the Eleven at the highest possible level. I'm going to keep this one pretty short and sweet because obviously, as you can already hear, my voice is a bit shot. I've been sick for the past week and progressively my throat and my voice and my cough has just gotten kind of worse. Thankfully, it's not COVID. I just tested negative yesterday, but I don't know what's going on and I'm doing my best to get healthy. So I apologize for my audio in the episode that you're about to hear. Um, I just, I've been drinking all the tea taking all the medicine that I can, and I just, I can't seem to shake it right now. So I apologize for that. Luca and Austin are in the 11 this week. Both of them are repeat guests on the show. So if you like what you hear out of these two fellas, go back and listen to their episodes previous. We have an episode with Luca where we talk about his journey and his, in his career, same with Austin. So I would encourage you to go and listen to those And today we're kind of talking about what they're up to now, the update on their football career. We just talk about football and life sort of in general, and also what your first contract or first opportunity in the football world probably is going to look like and some of the the traits you might be looking for. So without further ado, like I said, I apologize for my voice, but I'll kick it over to my chat with Luca and Austin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by two just wild boys right now. If you are uh, familiar with the podcast, you've already heard and seen them before. You know their story, so I'd encourage you to go. If you haven't, go and check those out. The story of Austin, Austin's career and the story of Luca's career is already back there. This is now, what, Luca's third time on the podcast? and uh, Third time, guys. Third time guest. He's the all-time leader right now in guest appearances. Austin's getting up there as well. But uh, as I as I just mentioned here at the top, we're kind of like the three stooges rolling in right now. You know, me, I got absolutely no voice to speak of. Uh, we have Luca coming in live from what looks very much like a shed in his house. He's sitting on a ladder. And then we've got Austin who has some sort of filter going on over his video. Um, not really sure what's going on, but he, he has a phone from 1947. So, you know, you can't really, you can't really expect too much out of him, but let's, how are we doing? Oh, wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. Love it. Love it. Yeah, boys. So the reason I wanted to bring these boys on today was chat a little footy with them, see what the update is, what they're up to, what they're doing. And also the big thing I want to talk about is uh, I feel like I have this common theme when I speak to players about their their first ever contract, right? Like the first first team they signed with, how it's usually not the place that you wind up spending your whole career. And I think we have some experience with that, with some of the first places that we've been to, you know, maybe specifically when we were all linked up together in Germany. I know that was like the first kind of contract for me or kind of place that I was at, but First of all, let's get into it. Austin, last we checked in with you, I believe you were in Mexico at the time still. So yes, sir. talk to me, came over Mexico. What was next? Uh, so I came back from Mexico. Um, I stayed up in the Seattle area. Uh, tried to uh, get a little bit of jobs, save some money up so I can uh, go on my next adventure, mm-hmm. uh, which eventually carried me back to Germany. Um, 
I went over there for on trial for a few different teams um, and then stayed around for one in particular up in Hamburg, um, which phenomenal city, by the way. And then in August, I plan on going back. Uh, it was a verbal invitation to come back, so you never know with those kind of things. But as far as right now, I'm planning going back to, to Germany in August. Very nice. Very nice. What is the club that you are anticipating going back to and kind of what's the situation? Yeah, it's uh, FC Suda Elba. Uh, they are in the Oberliga Hamburg, which is the fifth division. Um, this boy's got the as far as the, already. Yeah, oh, bro. Oh. I've got the accents. I've got all the accents. <laughs> that was sweet. <laughs> all right, sorry. I cut you off. I cut you off. You're going to the Oberliga Hamburg. Oh, yeah. You got you to work on yours, brother. You got, you, you, you got that Danish accent coming in. Drink, drink some more in. tea and then give it, a, give it another try. <laughs> Get that chamomile going, huh? That chamomile. That chamomile. Wow. Yeah, you good to restart because your voice is going to crack. That's why you. That's why you just had to take take a double take on that one. <laughs> Facts, dude. It's probably going to crack six more times in this. No, no I'm COVID though. For anyone that's listening and wondering, it's not COVID, so. No need to worry. It's just, I guess, my throat decided, you know what? I'm going to take a break for a while. I'm out. I'm out. So I'm out. That's the situation that we're in right now. Um, right. Austin. Uh, so, Oberliga in August, potentially. Um, potentially, yeah. Is is the plan to just go into preseason with them, or is it like a couple more trials, or, or where did you kind of leave it at? Yeah, so um, the team, the club liked me, uh, and – they asked me to come back in the preseason, so I'll initially go in with them. Um, I mean, if things get a little bit rough, uh, I might go into preseason with a uh, maybe another club. Who knows? Um, but as 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 of now, um, it's uh, with Sudarelba uh, in the preseason. So we'll see how that turns out. Nice, exciting stuff. Now over to the big man, Luca. Last we left you, well, I don't think everyone knew at the time last we recorded what you were up to next, but since we recorded, uh, you've been, where have you been? Tell us. I know where you've been, but tell us where you've been. Well, all right. Uh, I was in Finland on trial with a third division team called uh, Ko Ivaskula, which that took me about three weeks to figure out that that was how you said that. and. Uh, it was a it was a nice experience. It was uh, different. Finland, Scandinavia, as Bren obviously knows, is uh, a a kind of a culture shock in a lot of ways. Uh, Finland is a lot different from the rest of of those countries. I think the people, the way they go about their business, the way that they live, the cult, the culture, everything kind of encompassing it is, uh, it's different. So it was nice, but the football was good. The players were good. It was a high level. And um, unfortunately, it didn't really work out. But, you know, that's the way, that's the nature of the beast, you know. Yeah. So when you say different, right, you say it's a very different culture. It's a very different experience. Um, is that kind of in in relative to the States or is that relative to other places that you've been in Europe? Or, or what do you mean by that? Definitely relative to all the places that, we've been in um 
you know, going to when I was training in Italy, it was, you know, it's it's such a a loose atmosphere. The air is thin. You can breathe easy. You can you can communicate with people. It's not really a problem going to Spain. People are really friendly. And even in Germany, too, you know, like people are not closed off. They're not uh, they're not sort of like. I don't know. There's a there's a feeling of seclusion and, you know, learning when you're in Finland, when you're actually in the country, you learn about the history of the country and why the people are kind of like that. And uh, it, it's a it's it's tough to figure out. But once you figure out, you you realize and you understand it, you know. Uh, but but yeah, definitely comparative to where else I've been. It was it was just a it was very difficult to integrate initially you know and as you guys know being on trial the integration with the squad is so crucial to like the success of the trial and when you can't really find that right string to pull it uh it leads to a lot more difficulty when you're playing yeah so i think there's probably a lot of players who are listening that um that have had that experience right have gone into a trial and they haven't really been able to mesh with the group that they've kind of that they've been thrown into so can you talk to us a little bit about what that is actually like and then maybe we can throw it to Austin as well to see if he's ever had an experience like like that where he's been on a trial and just for whatever reason things aren't seeming to click absolutely well i mean you know when i was over there uh first of all their ideas of of you know fun are a lot different uh it's like you know for vacation the finnish people typically like to go north which is which just makes no sense to me at all <laughs> and like uh you know but but communication was impossible because these were these were guys and you know in europe most people speak english i mean finland obviously is not a part of europe right now well it is actually that's a, that's incorrect but um very you know, much part of Europe. For that's, that's, it's, it is very much a part of Europe. <laughs> yeah, my bad. My bad. Anybody, anybody, anybody who's going to fact check me on that, I, I had to correct myself really quickly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, communication is, is, is a beasting. I mean, like, the language is... And uh, if you don't get over that hurdle and are able to relate to your teammates or your potential teammates... Um, it leaves you isolated and it makes you feel like you're on, like you're outside every circle possible. And no matter how, you know, comfortable that the coach might make you might want to or try to make you feel, you still, you'll go back to the locker room and you almost feel, even though you're sitting in a room full of people uh, who share similar interests and values and, you know, enjoy the same thing that you do, you feel totally alone, you know, and it's, it's really tough because that bleeds into your football and then it can affect you in all sorts of ways. Austin, hearing that story from Luca there, is there a time or a specific trial that you can think of that kind of resonates the same for you? Um, definitely. And actually most recently when I, when I was in Germany, the, this most recent time, um, like I said, I was there for three different clubs. Um, Two of them, I got, I got along with the, the, the club and the teammates very well. Uh, one of them was just atrocious. Uh, 
I get it. They were just so cold. Um, so this was a club over in Dortmund. Um, and I mean, the manager who I was communicating with, he was really nice, really friendly. Uh, but then when I get to training, uh, I talk to the coach and I'm like, Hey, I, my name's Austin. I'm the, uh, I'm the, I'm the new guy. I'm the, uh, you know, the trialist. And then he's like, yes, sit over there. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yes, sir. Uh, and then like, before, even before the, uh, the practice starts, uh, you know, how you just like kind of pass the ball around, do like, I don't know, some juggling or something like that, uh, with like the other teammates. And I'm just trying to find someone to like pass with. And I'm like, I, I try to get in like with the, with like two other guys. I'm like, Hey, I'm here. Pass me the ball. <laughs> and they just look at me and they just don't, they just don't pass it. And I'm like, all right, brother. All right. Jesus. And so, and that was just like the whole kind of vibe, the whole training session. And so like, like, uh, like Lucas said, if you can't really mesh with the team, like you just something, something about your game just like goes down. At least for me. And I had one of the most, like one of the worst training sessions of my life that day and uh, did not get asked to come back. Right. So that was a, that was definitely an experience, but I know that it happens sometimes. So you just have to, you just have to take the L and, and move on, you know? Yeah. I think having those experiences is kind of important for a player to have because it just, it kind of reminds you that when you go into these situations, um, you know, a lot of the players that are already there look at you as, as the enemy or look at you as the threat to them because yeah, exactly. it's quite clear that you're coming in there to try and take the shirt off of somebody else's back. And, you know, there's some clubs, there's some players that they will still welcome you and they understand that's just the nature of the competitive game that we play. And, those are usually the best situations where we all play really well, but there's some where they treat you like the outsider and cause they don't want you to come in. They don't want you to be a part of the club. And those are the situations where you have to have a really strong mental fortitude to be able to still go and perform at your best. Cause you know, the higher and higher up that you go, the more, the, the more the atmosphere is going to be like that because now there's more money on the line. There's more job security that's up for, up for grabs kind of, and it just becomes that much more cutthroat as you get a little bit higher. Did you kind of notice that Luca? Cause you know, in Finland, I imagine that was maybe one of the higher levels that you've trialed at, or maybe one of the higher levels that you've had an experience with. Did you notice a little bit of that? Was that why you maybe saw that coldness kind of? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, my mind thinks back Austin saying that thing about, uh, them not giving you the ball in a simple kind of like uh friendly way to you know just introduce yourself we went into uh on the second or third day we went into this passing drill and it was it was simple you know two players in the middle with two lines on either side and you give the ball to the guy in the middle and there are two wide players and you give it out wide and then you play a one two around a cone and then you give it to the other line you know simple stuff 
And I remember these guys, you know, on the return ball for the one-two, they would rifle it at me, like fire the ball at me, you know, at, at you know, breakneck speed, impossible for, for a lot of players to control. And it was like, it was done intentionally, I think, to kind of, um, as just a subtle hint, you know, at the time, you don't really think anything of it. Uh, you, as a footballer, you just kind of have to laugh it off and, and keep it moving or else it's going to, you know, destroy you. And because that sort of thing is, is a blatant sort of sign of, uh, I wouldn't call it disrespect, but it's just, it's, it's like, we don't really want you here, you know? Mm. And, um, and as, you know, playing with a, a professional team or as Yavascular were, we're, we're, you know, a, a trying to be professional team, um, because the way the the structure is with Finland, the financially, it's it's really tough to to uh, be able to pay your players at on the thir- in the third tier. But um, but you definitely got an air of animosity around the club. You got young players who have grown up there since they were kids. They've been playing in the club since they were nine, eight, nine years old, and. Uh, yeah, I mean that club is like everything to them, or it's or it means a lot. And when you have a foreign kid, the only kid in the team who spoke English, you know, it was like, it was like, well, uh, we don't, we're not, we're not so keen on having somebody like that, an outsider, just walk into the team. And even if you can offer something and help the team, you know, we'd rather be comfortable rather than uh, have to deal with the uncomfortability of you being here. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And it's why, uh, you know, the trial is, the trial is a test for a lot more, a lot more elements than just what you can do on the football pitch. The trial is like really just a, a test of your, your will and your strength when it's, when it comes to on the field and off the field as well, you know, how you can conduct yourself over the course of that. That makes me think back to, I had a, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to a player, his name's Chase Boone, and he played in Denmark, and now he plays over here in the States. Um, and he said when he was on trial in Scotland, he, he's a, if anyone's listened to that episode, you know, he's a very, he's a fun-loving, like, goofy kind of guy. You know, he's very lighthearted. And he walked in to Scotland, and I can't remember which team he was on trial with, but it was, like, probably his first real, like, high-level professional trial. He just walks into the changing room and is like, hey, guys, like, I'm the new guy, you know, I'm Chase. Where can I get my training stuff? everybody just turns away from him. <laughs> He's like, Oh shit, this is, this is yeah. what it is. And then he, same thing that you said, Luca, that's why this story got brought up in my mind is goes out and they're, you know, just doing passing patterns or whatever to kind of kick off training. And the passes he was getting, he said, were just absolutely rifled in like yeah. knee height, shin height. It's just basically let me ping it in and handle that. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, from, that's why I say from everything, it's a it's a test. Everything is a test in there. And you're not just being tested and evaluated by the coaches, you're being tested and evaluated by potentially your fellow teammates because they want to see like, okay, are you re- are you really about this? Are you really up for this? Mm. Absolutely. They will you know, football is a is a cutthroat game and it's and it's it's fascinating to uh, you know, when you see a player at a professional level succeed, like I was just watching the Europa League final and uh, this guy Calvin Bassey, that, who's playing uh, center half for Rangers, 
you know, he, I think he was born in Italy and he, but he grew up in London and stuff. And he had trials at like, you know, five or six clubs before he found a place to play, which I, I forget where it was, but he found a place to play. And, you know, I think it was at Leicester where he made his breakthrough. And, you know, I, I speak about this as a, as a guy who's been on trial with uh, two professional clubs in, in my life. And I mean, you know, you come back from it and being a, you know, the most recent one, I was 21 years old. And it's like, it's like your world collapses. I can't even imagine being like 15, 16 years of age going on trial after trial after trial after trial after trial. It's, it's just kind of incredible how football is, is ingrained in people's minds from such a young age. You know, it's like they realize this, the severity of the situation. And like you said, the mental fortitude that is needed to succeed, you know, it's Mm. crazy, man. Austin, in your career, you know, this can be professional, semi-professional, amateur, whatever. How many trials do you think you've been on? In your career, if you had to, if you had to ballpark uh, a number here, dude, I have no idea, man. <laughs> is it, is it north of north of twenty five? I probably it's probably, it's probably between like twenty five, maybe like thirty five. And see, and I ask this because I think this is an important question. Like, I don't know. I I just I want I want to be able to try and convey this to to players that I speak to, like you don't want to go into each trial thinking this isn't going to work out, but you know, we both know how many teams that we've both played for. And while Austin has been on 25 or 35 trials, he hasn't played for 25 or 35 teams. It's a numbers game. You know what I mean? And on top of that, how many teams have we all reached out to that we've tried to go on trial with? That number is in the thousands. I guarantee you that amount of emails that we've sent to be able to do this it's like it really just becomes i heard something interesting a, a couple days ago and it was like you almost go into a trial with the thought of of i want to do my best here and i want to perform to the best of my ability but there's going to be more of these you know this isn't this isn't going to be the last one and i think that's important for players to try and understand is like when you go in Sure, you want to go and you want to try and make that team, but there, there's going to be other fa- there's going to be other opportunities because even those players like Luca just mentioned at the highest level, it took them five, six, seven, eight, nine times to actually find a fit where somebody was going to take a chance and believe on them. How do you how do you feel about that, Austin? Like, does it feel? Yeah, I mean, does it just kind of feel like when you go on a, a trial? All right, that's another notch in my belt, or is it like, is it more? kind of each one has its own demoralizing effect and then you pick yourself up and brush yourself off. Honestly, at this point, it's more of like, all right, that's just, that's, yeah, like that's just another notch in the belt. That's just another, another team down. Um, Cause honestly, a lot of the times uh, when teams reject me, it's not even because of like my skill level It's they're just not looking for anybody uh, or just they're just not looking for my position. Like I come into trial, but they're looking for like a like a center mid or a striker. Mm-hmm. Like they don't need a center back, they don't need a fullback or anything like that. And so that I would say the majority of the times that I've been cut, it's because of that. Um, but yeah, I, 
like like I said, at this point, it's. I mean, yeah, it, it hurts because you, you, it feels like a. Hey, it seems like you don't want me, um, but you just gotta you just gotta get a little bit, I guess, uh, numb to that. You can't really you can't really get yeah. too like bogged down no, too it much. Completely on that. makes sense, and, and it's also why sense. I think I've had this argument with people before. I, I I can't I get frustrated by the narrative of of when a player even transfers to another club, and it's a high it's a big time transfer, right? For a lot of money, those players at the top level, and and they go to a new club, and they're only there for that first year, and they're not coming in absolutely smashing it. Everyone considers them a bust. Like Jack Grealish goes to Man City for, you know, 100 mil plus and hasn't performed to what everyone's standards of him are. And now it's like, oh, that's the worst signing in Premier League history. Bro, he's been there for a year. He's been there for one season. Yeah. He's playing with probably the best players he's ever played in his entire life. The best manager he'll ever play under in his entire life. You have to give players a chance to get adjusted. It's the same thing. Like if Luca was to trial and sign with that team in Finland, you would have to also give him a chance to get his footing once he's a part of the team. Like it's very rarely will a, a guy come in and trial and smash it. And then all of a sudden he's in the starting 11 next week and he's bagging goals. Like there's a, there's an element of just time and patience into all of this. Like, do you, do you find that you would agree with that Austin? Or do you think like, I don't know, you, there's also the flip side of that of they're the highest level players. They should be able to, in any environment, just twitch it on. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, you, you do need to like, adapt, but also people need to understand like different like like yes, Jack Grealish going from like an English team to another English team, but like then you have players like uh, like I mentioned Timo Werner going from a different like a whole different country, a whole different playing style, uh, like even even Messi he had a slow start when he moved to France. Because he's been playing in Spain his whole life, it's a, it's just like a different type of culture. You need to a, adapt to it. Um, like, from from me, it sounds kind of conceited when I went to from Emilio from Messi to me, <laughs> but uh, same, from, same. Uh, from me, same, same level. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're the same. Yeah. Uh, but when I went from Germany to to Mexico, oh my days, the difference, like. I remember within like the first month, maybe the first two months, I had already gotten like three red cards. Yeah. Because like it's, yeah, it's just that's like just, the playing that's style. Just style like, of play. You know, like I'm that's just like, what happens on the field. That's not to mention you're speaking a whole new language. Yeah. The climate is drastically different. Like Oh my god. Yeah, there's oh. there's, there's a lot there's a lot of factors that go into like transferring like players transferring to different clubs. Mm. That people yeah. just don't yeah, even like think a, about. Um, it's kind of a, the beauty of why I get to have some of these conversations. Is I get like more context to to some of those things. Like, I know it, it's happened a lot with Brazilian players when they first come over to Europe. Like, that's such a huge culture shock for them growing up in Brazil. The culture that they live in, the language that they speak. Um, you know, now people think, oh, we signed some big Brazilian player. You know, like there's clubs like. Shakhtar Donetsk, right, in Ukraine, where they purposely tried to bring in a couple of Brazilian players, also have uh, Brazilian coaches and, and staff members as a part of their backroom team to be able to make that assimilation that much easier 
for a player to come into their club because they realize like if you just bring a Brazilian and move them into Ukraine and say, hey, go play football, good luck. Like <laughs> it just it's such a culture shock that it's it's so hard for someone to actually successfully do that. Luca, I mean, do you, do you agree with our sentiment, disagree with our sentiment? Like what's your kind of take on it? <laughs> well, I mean, football is football is such an emotional game, you know, and it's it's kind of a a blessing and a curse because you live it more, you know, you feel it more, but it also means that when you feel it more, that things affect you more kind of, you know, it's, and, and little, little things like, you know, going out to a restaurant, it's like, like Austin said about Messi going to PSG, you know, it's like things about, I don't know, maybe the way Spanish people kind of accepted him compared to the way that the French people might view him is, something that can affect his mentality and just sort of, it can weigh on him. And those things, it's, I always hear, you know, pundits in, in, especially in England, and they always talk about, you know, oh, footballers, they have, they need to have this like ironclad mentality where nothing from off the pitch can enter on the pitch because it would be, it's like a cardinal sin for some guy to have thoughts running around in his head other than, football which is just ridiculous it's like people are people you know marcus rashford has struggled immensely this year but you look at the whole of manchester united as a team and it's like everybody's struggling but yet they look at this one guy who by the way has you know tons of off the field stuff going on with you know the the help and the work that he's done to help kids of you know impoverished uh upbringings to you know try and get them to a better place to communicate better and, and live a bit better, you know, in a society where we don't really look out for the little guy as much as we should do. And, uh, I mean, you know, people act as if, as if, you know, we, we cannot allow things to affect us as footballers when, I mean, football is a team sport. And, you know, like Austin was saying, like with, you know, feeling this feeling of going into a club and feeling like you're on the outside looking in, you can't get in. It's like, that's bound to affect us, you know, because we play football through emotion. You know, I mean, I speak from my own, from my own place. I mean, I've met players who it's just a game. It's just a thing that they do, you know, and they've been, they've been kind of drilled into just doing it rather than enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it affects everybody differently and, and, and you can't expect a person to just be immune to all those sorts of things, all those difficulties and problems that they might be facing in their life. Yeah. I I kind of, I would frame it as, you know, let's say you start a new job, right? Like you start a new job in an office and imagine, you know, every time you communicate with your colleagues or your, your fellow team members, they just give you one word answers and emails. Like you've just started and you're trying to figure out how to use a new right. software. Yeah. And, you know, they'll, they'll just be like, click that, click this. You know, that's, that's, yeah, that's the kind of communication that yeah. you're getting, you know, like you go Cold into the break treatment. room and you're trying to talk to somebody about what their weekend was like, or, you know, what they're doing this upcoming weekend, their family, whatever. And like, imagine, I know this sounds insane, but imagine they just look at you and then walk out of the room. Like, 
That is how you feel because yeah. not only is it how that's you how feel, feel, but it's yeah. also sometimes what is physically sometimes happening in front feel. of you. You know, like Austin said, he's walking up to guys to try and essentially be like, hey, like, what's up? You know, I'm here on trial. This is my story. And they look at you and then look away and keep doing whatever they're doing and go about their day. And I think. Yeah. No, you're good. There, go there's ahead. no reason that football. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, Brent, but there, there, there's there's no reason that football can't be a game where you know, we, we try and help one another because it can help people, you know, it can, it can, but it can also be one of the loneliest places, especially in a locker room when you feel like you, you're not a part of the collective. I mean, it can just, it can make you feel so, so, so alone. And in my opinion, there's no reason that, that football cannot be a way of, 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 allowing people to assimilate better you know just be being kinder and by being you know a little less uh a little less harsh you know because i know that football is a harsh game and life is a harsh thing but i mean it's it's really really it's really disheartening when you hear stories like what austin was saying and you know i mean countless stories of other players going to places and just feeling like they're like yeah, I think, I mean, it's, totally why, alone, you know? it's a big reason why, I don't know, for me, for, for all of us, though, we, we started playing football and we got so obsessed with it because of the the social aspect of it, the camaraderie of it, the camaraderie of being with a team, being in a changing room, being, you know, going through these trials and tribulations together as a group. And that was a, a huge shift for me when I got into the pro side of things was realizing that it's not quite always like that, that that, uh, you know, kind of insulated environment that you have in the changing room isn't always quite what you imagined it was going to be. And it isn't what it was when you were a youth, you know, like I look back, I know we've spoken about this kind of a lot, but Hmm. I look back at Germany and I think as much as I look at how difficult that was of a time, if we didn't have the locker room that we had, the changing room that we had with the guys that were in it, it would have been a hell of a lot worse. You know, if, if, if we were in a situation where everybody was German or Brazilian or, you know, no one that we could actually communicate with, we didn't have each other to go through that with, it would have been a hell of a lot worse. Um, I'm curious if, if you kind of ever look back at that, Austin, as well, and think sort of the same thing, because I know I look at it and I say, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I look at it and I think, ah, oh, maybe it wasn't actually as hard as I made it out to be. And maybe time is just the great equalizer for that. And now as I'm this far removed, I don't think it's that bad anymore. Yeah, man. The, I, I look back at it and obviously there are definitely lows, very, very harsh lows that came with that that season. But at the same time, if it wasn't for that, we would have never met. We would have never had this this friendship that we got here. Um. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of a, a lot of friends that I made actually. Like uh, when I was down in Tijuana, um, there was a I I went up to uh, San Diego to watch uh, Eddie, uh, one of our teammates uh, now playing for. I'm like that. What, what, what are they? San Diego Albion now. Uh, it used to be 1904 in the uh, NISA. Um, catching up with him, um, and. Yeah, the, the, like, as much as there was lows, exactly, there was yeah. definitely a lot of highs as well. 
but it just it just took a little bit yeah. to it just took a while yeah, to th- like this to actually I this friendship that. right here this podcast wouldn't even be happening without without germany without that german experience um and i think it's maybe what has made some of the times after we left germany like some of the trials that we've been on luca's experience in finland some of austin's other experiences in germany maybe a little bit not more challenging but just challenging in a different way because it's like you didn't have those same those same guys that same group to kind of go through it with you know what i mean so luca what's it been like for you yeah, since coming exactly. home from finland well you know uh i don't want to make it sound like i'm reacclimating to like i've like i've been to mars or something and i'm just getting back to earth for the first time but it's 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 weird i mean you know i was in finland in the dead mm-hmm. minor, middle of winter and uh you know it was like you want to go out for a morning walk and instead of shoes you should really bring like a pair of ice skates to go walk on the sidewalk because there's about two like maybe three inches of ice covering the sidewalk and it was like it was it was just bizarro and coming back home you know you 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 have to uh you have to readjust you have to readjust your mind your temperament and uh you know one of the big lessons that i've learned throughout my disappointments is uh, kind of leaving it at the door, you know, uh, you, you can't really bring that stuff, especially if you come back and you're with family, uh, it'll, cause you know how it's sort of the way that we wrap ourselves up in football. It, it will like eat away at you if you let it. And, uh, especially if you have a significant disappointment. So just learning to put it in its box and sort of you know, not really uh, dealing with it, but dealing with it incrementally, like while you're while you're you're in your own head and you're alone and you're with your own thoughts, it can really, really benefit you. And um, yeah, but but rejoining, you know, rejoining my family and and being back at home, it's it just it just makes it makes everything Good. feel a little bit better. Good. You know, I'm happy to hear that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I said the right there answer. Is no, there is no right or, Good. Right or wrong yeah, answer sure. to that. You know, I, I had a, it's funny. As soon as you started to say that I had, it Heck just yeah. made me think I had the same experience when I came home from Denmark and like, to be completely honest with everyone, it's, it's only really been until probably the past two to three months where I've started to actually feel kind of back to normal and back to like, sort of, okay. You know what I mean? Like the, when I first got home that summer, I was just, right. Yeah. I I don't even know how to describe it. I was a mess. Like I I didn't know which way was up basically. And that kind of progressed on into the fall of like actually kind of figuring out how do I navigate forward from this? Like, okay, I just came out of this shit storm. How do I, how do I take a step forward? And now it's like coming into the new year in the past month or two, it's now it's like, I can finally start to, to figure it out. And I sometimes think about it and I, and I try and contextualize it and and say, how, how did something that's seems so small, like going over to, you know, play football in this other country for a couple months, have this whirlwind of an impact on me. And I think I had to stop doing that. And I think, 
you know, I would encourage you if you're going through the same thing to stop doing it as well, because it's like, it's huge, you know? And I know you said, I don't want to make it seem like I'm coming back from Mars, but yeah, man, like I, we, for us, we just say these things like, oh, I packed up my bags and I moved to Tijuana or I moved to Finland or, you know, I, I went on trial here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Like we say that like it's nothing, you know? We say that the same way that other people say they got in the car and went to CVS to pick up soap. Like, and it's, it's, they're not equivalent. Like I, um, <laughs> I said something to someone the other day, like, yeah, you know, I, I packed up my stuff and I got a one-way ticket to Germany and I lived out of a suitcase forever long. And they're like, you understand like how, like how drastic that is, right? Like how actually, you know, and, and this isn't a podcast to just pat the three of us on the back, but it's an incredibly brave thing to do whether we whether we achieve what we want to achieve or not just the fact that we actually went and did it like that's a huge thing that not a lot of people do not a lot of people take that risk so i would encourage you to kind of give yourself a little bit of that of that slack and that leeway and not you know not beat yourself up and i know that you're not the the same type of person as me but just in case you are feeling the same way i think it's important absolutely and on that note i what I realized, uh, especially recently, is whenever I tell anybody like, oh, yeah, I was living in Tijuana for a little bit. I was living in Germany for a little bit. The first question yes. everybody asks is like, by yourself? And, I'm, and I just like look back and I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? of course by myself. Like what? And then I, I, I realized like a, a, a lot of people just like that's just like out of the question is like just packing your bags and moving to some place where you don't know the language and but like for us it's like yeah yeah of course we'll do that yeah and it's like for soccer i yeah. love that uh oh yeah i i love that you bring that up right because i get the same thing because people go wow you did all by yourself all alone oh i can never do that that's the one i love too and they go oh i can never do that like then they they kind of put it back on you like you're some sort of alien freak that you went and did this yeah um yeah, or an idiot, right? And mm. or an idiot, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. I mean, who knows? That's, That's the, the one. one I get. Sure, maybe yeah. we are idiots, but at least we're idiots who like fucking tried something. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's so true. That 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 thought and that that response that we get of <laughs> oh, you did that by yourself. But it, I like the shift that it's created within the community of other footballers that we talk to like with each other and other footballers that we know and like connect with that as soon as we know like a guy is on trial somewhere and that you know that by yourself moment it's like you always make sure you try and hit them up whenever you can and if they call you you try and get back to them asap because you know what that's like you know what it's like to be in an apartment by yourself you know you've just had a shit training session and you need to talk to somebody like I know I've been there. Luke has been there. Austin's been there. We all been there. Like mm. one of my good friends, Liang, like when he was in Germany or, or our good friend Liang, every time he would hit my phone, like, even if I couldn't call him back right away, always was like, you know, I'll call you here. I'll call you then. Cause I knew how important that is. Cause that a lot, like people say that, Oh, you went there by yourself. You went there all alone. Um, and they don't understand the magnitude of that. They don't understand what that is really like to go through. What do you usually say to people, Austin, when they say, Oh, you went there all by yourself? I 
see, I, I just get shocked because I'm like, I, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I, when am I going to go like, with my mom? <laughs> yeah. I, gotta, I, I, don't, I don't know how to respond to it. Yeah, it's weird, but it's weird. It's a weird concept for other people to understand. Yeah, because they have because they have fallbacks. They have cushions that if if they if you know if they're doing a trust fall and the guy checks his phone instead instead of cashing them, it's like you know there's a cushion for them to land on. But for us, there's no cushion. You know, it's just it's yeah, on well, us. I love that it's you said that. I was to make it work. You know? Having a conversation with a former coach of mine recently, and I said to him, "Me trying to become a professional." was I think one of the things I'm is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it's one of the things I'm most grateful for because it made me realize that in any situation in my life, I'm not afraid to take all the chips that I got in my pocket, put them in the middle of the table and just bet on me and say, all right, here we go. Let's rock. Like, cause that's what all three of us did when like we went to Germany, we went to Italy, Absolutely. we went to wherever we took all the chips that we had. We said, I'm putting them on Luca, I'm putting them on Austin or I'm putting them on Bren and let's see what happens, you know? And like you said, Luca, there's not a lot of people that do that. A lot of people, they'll keep 10, 15 chips in their pocket in case they want to play later. Like we had, we had nothing. We had no guaranteed contract. We had no money. We had no job. We went there and we said, I'm going to try and make all this stuff happen when I get there. And oh, by the way, this country, I don't know any people and I don't speak the language. Like when when we talk to certain people about that, right. that literally Dude, is a no, nightmare for we, them. We that gives them anxiety when we tell them that from the outside. Right. Absolutely, because people are terrified to take a chance. You know, we're three guys who, you know, again, not to, you know, uh can we can we swear on this or no? Yeah, I think I've already sworn like five times. So you're good. Okay, well not not to like, you know, suck ourselves off, but like we we are three dudes who have like taken a chance on ourselves, you know, and people are mortified at doing that in this life. But I've always said in every single instance, when somebody asks me like why or how, or what are you doing? It's just because yeah. I'd rather do it or try than not. Because if you don't try, which so many people, you know, billions of people who have, you know, past or are living today, just don't try. And what's the point of not trying? What's the point of not giving it a go? If especially if you have the talent, the will and the and the, uh, you know, the right stuff about you, you have to you have to bet on yourself. Yeah. You know, Austin, when you, when you combine all those things that Luca just mentioned there, that the will, the work ethic and the actual taking a chance on yourself um, and you actually get that first opportunity and, and you know, maybe you can speak about your first ever opportunity, whether it was overseas or domestic. Um, but there's something that I wanted to talk about on this episode today is what that first opportunity is actually going to look like. Um, because I think there's a bit of a, a misconception about it and, and it's hopefully been countered by a lot of the episodes that I've done on here where people talk about their first ever contract and why usually your first ever contract isn't the place that you're going to spend your entire career. <laughs> right. Now, are we, are, we, are we talking about our first ever trial or first ever contract? So let's say, like, for, for example, if we use us, the three of us, yeah. the first place I think 
Austin, you might have been somewhere before me. And I know, Luca, when you were playing, you were kind of still in school at the time, right? When you were in Italy or Spain? Spain. So you were, were you still going to school when you were in Spain, or was that just a team that you were playing for? Well, uh, <laughs> kind of. I was meant to, uh, but um, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be a bad influence for anybody potentially listening. But uh, you know, school is. If you want to be a footballer, you know there are there are a lot of jobs and a lot of things that school is wildly important for. Um, but yeah, no, not for me. Let's take a break to talk about support for the In the 11 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball, but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild, and we got to change that here, and Manscaped's going to help you do that. So, first off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below-the-waist grooming, and that is because... Of their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. It has a 400K LED spotlight. So, no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? Pop in the shower. You've got the light as well. Easy, and you're done. On to the next one. Now, same goes for that Weed Whacker, the Manscaped Weed Whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin safe technology, which is gonna help reduce with nicks snags and tugs in those delicate sensitive areas now last but not least we can't forget about the crop preserver ball deodorant and the crop reviver ball toner a lot of you guys i know you've got a routine with your recovery right you've got pre-game rituals you've got post-game rituals a recovery routine that you do after right hopping an ice bath whatever it is you have to add your below the waist care to that. You've got to take care of your balls, gentlemen. You don't want to be playing 90 minutes and then you come in and you're sweaty and disgusting and you're not taking care of yourself. You got you got to do it. And Manscaped, like I said, is here to help you in that department. And who knows? Maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game, watching you play, you know, you play a good 90 minutes, maybe you bag a goal. I don't know. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you, the Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped boxer briefs and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip, you're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time, gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off 
with free shipping using the code 11-E-L-E-V-E-N at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Gotcha. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Actually, I remember uh, last time I was on the podcast, we kind of of brushed over this a little bit. Um, And to that point, uh, I think if you're at the level to go ahead and go out and traveling, I think you can skip school. That being said, if you still need to like, if if you're still developing, I think a, a college soccer like a, a getting in like a, that development, I think that is also a very um, valid way to go about it. So I think I think you just gotta take a look at yourself, be able to uh, have good self evaluation, uh, say like, hey, am I ready to go to that next step, or should I, you know, stay here play for uh, JUCO? D three, D two, D one for a little bit, and then move on. Like you, you just gotta yeah, like, on, recognize. Yeah, but on on Austin's point, it's like, you know, realism is the enemy of football. Because I mean, I, I can't tell you how many trials I've been on, and you know, if I'll go in with other trialists, how kind of diluted their perception of themselves can be. You know. It's like I I don't want to I don't want to put myself above anybody, but it's 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 fascinating to see with especially with young footballers and of a younger generation. It's it's sort of their ideas and their and their views on on football and on life is just completely completely different to my own and and to other and to a lot of other people, and it's it it can really really. Um, affect that sort of decision making that Austin was talking about. You know, it's like it's like your reality or what you perceive to be your your reality can be different from what the truth is. So you got to take a hard, long look at yourself, especially if you're going to make a decision like that. You know, because it's football. You know, we've been trying for years to break into it. Years. You know, not months, not a matter of, you know, not or maybe not one or two years. I mean, this has been continuous, like, you know, banging your head against a wall. And it doesn't, it's, most of the time, it doesn't yield the results that you want it to, you know, until it does. Exactly. exactly. And, and I think to Austin's point on that, I know Luca and I spoke about this on, on our first episode, I think we did, uh, where I said, you know, you have to also evaluate who you are as a person, how you're going to handle adversity uh, outside of, of football itself. Because I know for me at 18 or 17 or 18 years old, I wasn't prepared to just pack up and move to Europe and be able to live. Luca was, you know, like Luca has been doing this for years now and has lived in all these different countries and he's been able to do that. And so you have to know yourself in that regard too. Um, cause I think it kind of circles back to what I really want to talk about today here is for a lot of us, like let's use Germany as our, as our example, right? That was maybe our first real big opportunity. Why, why is that not the place where you'll usually find a home for the rest of your career? You know what I mean? I, I, I kind of look at it as like, um, uh, kind of like a parallel to like, you know, regular nine to five job like that that's that's our starting job 
that's not where we want to finish, you know? Um, like, yeah, some people have, like, their boyhood clubs uh, that they grew up through, grind through the ranks, and then, like, eventually make, you know, onto the first team. Um, but if you're just trialing around, it's it's kind of like when you're just out of college and then you're looking for your first, I, I don't know, let's, let's go engineering job. And then you like, find this one small company and then eventually you work your way up to like a good position at like a, like a well-established uh, engineering place. Yeah. So like, that's a point that you just hit on right there is one of the things is you'll probably, wherever you go first, the level might actually be lower than the level that you are, right? Like you are, aren't going to usually be able to go in and play at your level right away. Like if you go over to Europe, you're probably going to have to take one to two steps down from what your level actually is to then be able to perform there and then make the jump up to higher, right? Like, would you agree with that, Luca? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the, one of the, the mistakes that I can point at or point to to take some sort of um, solace from is that in, in my career, you know, when I was on trial with Montpellier, uh, that was a lot, that was way higher than I thought that I could play it, especially at that point in time being, was it 18 years of age? It was like, it was, it was a, it was a big leap and, uh, it was a leap that was probably a little bit too far for me at that point, not in terms of the football, but in terms of, of, uh, really knowing the landscape. And like you said, going in at a lower level and kind of working your way up and building your your not only your your image within whatever country you're in but also building up your confidence it can really really benefit you especially if it's uh you know the first time that you're that you're going over to a different country um also just to just to harp on that point uh is you know the style the, the 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 way that like the styles change that's been some one of the most interesting things for me from hopping from place to place to place to place to place is that you see all different kinds of football and the way that it it differs in every country you know and um starting at a lower division club especially if you're just going into it can be a way of sort of assimilating with a more basic sort of level of football where it's not, it doesn't, you know, like, like when we went to Germany, initially, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have tactic boards, the coaches weren't, weren't, you know, doing Wednesday sessions, where it was just all about like tactics, and you don't touch a ball for an hour and a half. It's like, we're just going to do team shape. That wasn't really the case, you know, because the level was a bit lower there, we weren't playing for the DFB Pokal, you know, it wasn't like we were going to to the Allianz next week and we need to we need to be at our best it was it was like all right you know we can kind of we're going to we're going to take it from a more practical standpoint you know and um yeah I mean that can that can really benefit especially young players going over for the first time because I mean wow if you if you don't dip a toe you're gonna drown in football you know and that's and that's I think it hits on another point that we can discuss here too, as well, Austin is like those two things of one, the level is probably going to be lower in the first place that you go to. And also the coaching might be a little bit lower too. And that's just because for a lot of players, wherever you go for, if you go over to Europe first, 
most likely where you'll find yourself is a semi-professional opportunity first, and then you'll get the opportunity if you perform and do well to go up to the next level. So at that semi-professional level, like everybody is a part-time footballer. And that's not only the football players, but also the coaches as well. So you might go from college, division one college, where you are have a full-time coach and a full-time staff and all your players are trying to do the same thing as you. And then you go over to sixth division in Portugal or sixth division in Germany. And you're like, wow, why does this seem like it's a drop down in level? Um, and you have to be able to kind of weather that, that little bit of time in that storm. And there's a lot of players I think that go over and they get into that environment and then they're like, ah, well, this isn't, this isn't the same. This is lower. What am I doing? And then they leave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think patience is a big factor in that. Um, cause even like going back to, uh, to when we were in Germany, the level that we were playing against was, I don't want to be mean, but it was, it no, was no, we be, talked about no, it before. It be, was be mean. Yeah. Terrible. Be mean. You can be mean. Oh, God, it was atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Let it rip. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, like think like, for listeners, think think the worst Sunday. Like, I mean, yeah, it's no disrespect to those yeah. guys out there. Football is for everybody, everybody can play, but like think the worst Sunday league that you've ever they, played. They like couldn't. those are the guys that we were playing. Yes. They but it gave us beers at halftime. That sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. It gave us an opportunity, it gave us a platform to go and like, you know, within weeks, all of a sudden, like we're all trialing with fifth division clubs. Yeah. That's the opportunity that's there. Exactly. And then like the the coaches we had like the coach for the first team i i don't i don't think he's i don't think he's the coach there anymore but um no he's not this, that that dude was like all he wanted to do was like scrimmage and then when it came to game time he's like all right put me in like dude what's going on dude and then after the game he went to the airport to do his like restaurant job because again, it's it's semi-professional. I like guess it's it's, uh, it's not his full-time thing. Mm. Uh, and and then yeah, and then like we're going on trials with fifth division teams in Germany, third division teams in Finland, where the coaching and the playing is a, a lot more serious. And like this is like their job. This is what they do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's always about it's always about putting yourself in an environment to create those those potential opportunities for yourself. And that's why you can't go and just whatever you get thrown into right away, if it isn't everything that you cracked it up to be, you can't walk because you don't know what could be on the other side of, you know, two weeks from now or a month from now after you've played a couple games or you've had some more training sessions. Because it's it's exactly like you just said all those opportunities wouldn't have been afforded to us if we had said if we had walked in and said ah what is the level here it's trash i'm out i can go find better football over in america Mm -hmm. well sure maybe you can find a little bit of a better level but you can't find that same access to those higher level clubs those higher level training environments or those games you gotta so those are two things yeah yeah those are those are two things um what what are some other things that you might find, Luca? That maybe again we can use Germany as our example. You're in a club, and and certain things aren't going according to plan. So 
it's your first opportunity and you're already looking towards your second one. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. I mean, you know, tunnel vision is common with a lot of footballers, especially when we, when we're on an opportunity, you, you put so much into that thing that it takes away from your peripheral vision of what can be, you know, I mean, being in Europe, it's, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but for me, it was so refreshing to know that you could throw a stone and hit another club wherever you were. It was like, you know, especially, you know, when I was in, in England for a little bit, you know, I would talk to the coaches and I would talk to people around me and I would, I would ask, so, you know, what clubs are around here? And they would say, oh, well, there's, you know, that club up the road and then there's that one down over there. And then, you know, my uncle runs this club over here and then that club. up." It, it was ridiculous to see the amount of, I don't want to say opportunities, but potential opportunities that you can have. And in my case, being over in Germany, you know, uh, me and, uh, and a couple other guys, we were able to, you know, talk our way onto another club. Because it was just, it was, it was an element of convenience. It's like, it's like, oh, there's a guy who, you know, works at a professional club down the street who actually coaches another team. So you could just, you, there are opportunities all around you and voice crack, but no matter what, no matter what happens with the opportunity that might be facing you. And if it doesn't work out, you have to kind of calm yourself down and recognize that maybe there is other opportunity out there. Maybe I can create it for myself. You know, one of my biggest mistakes was when I was in Italy, you know, that's another place where there are clubs scattered everywhere, all around the country. And, you know, if I had the, the, um, the foresight to recognize that coming off of a disappointment, and not just having this knee-jerk reaction like, you know, oh man, like I gotta I gotta get somewhere and clear my head. Where do I go? Well, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back home because it's easiest and I'm just gonna kind of figure stuff out from there when there was nothing to figure out. You know, Italy was where the opportunity was. Not not America, not New York, especially, you know, where there's two teams in the whole of the state, professional teams, and you know, the I mean, it's the culture, the environment you're in, you're better being over in a place like that. Even if the first thing doesn't work out, there's always stuff down the road. Like there's so many potential opportunities over in Europe. And that's like one of the biggest, like, most common questions I get is like, why, why do you always have to go to Europe? Why can't you just stay here in Washington? And I'm like, well, I mean... If we're talking professional teams, there's like in Washington, there's two Sounders and then the Sounders reserves team. Um, and then even even with like Tacoma. Yeah, yeah Tacoma. Um, and even in like semi-professional, there's like, at least in Western Washington, there's like two usl league two teams and then i think one or two maybe three npsl teams and it's like just the the saturation is just 
I don't know, it's, it's not not nearly as like many opportunities as there as there is if you go to like Germany. And like and in the states, yeah. you have like states like Washington, like New York, that are like almost the size of countries in Europe. And but like just the the amount of teams per capita in Europe is just staggering. So yeah. Yeah. It, it depends on what you're looking for out of an opportunity, right? Like if you're staying in Washington and you want to play for a USL2 team, you're probably going to get better living conditions, you're probably going to get um a pretty decent training environment, maybe decent facilities that you'll play for, uh good competition in your games, right? But you, you compare and contrast that with what you might get out of if you go to sixth or seventh division in a place like Germany or a place like England. Maybe for one player, that, that opportunity in the States looks better. But the opportunity to actually climb the ladder and to be able to move yourself up along the ranks is actually really only present in Europe because in the States, we all kind of know that that scouting pipeline, the way that it works in Europe, where they're going to come down and watch USL two or NPSL games, it's not really that common. You know, you don't hear it that often of players that get pulled up to the next level based on their performances at those semi professional levels in the United States. And so, mm-hmm. sure, on the on the surface, it might look like I'm going over to Europe, I'm playing at a lower level, maybe I'm really not making any money because that's another thing that we can talk about as well. Maybe my living conditions are poor because that's definitely something that we have experience with. Um, but again, it's all just about the opportunity. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation about kind of that, that first opportunity, that first contract, because on the surface, it may look like just from face value, it's not everything that's cracked up to be. But really, you have to think of it as that investment, right? Like that $10 that you're putting into your bank account, sure, it's not going to yield anything right now because it's just $10. But it's the fact that you're getting it at an interest rate and it's hopefully going to, with time and with performances, you're then going to yield something on the back end from it. So, you know, and I don't want to discredit anyone that wants to go and play in the States. If that's what your dream is, if that's what your goal is, like, by all means, go for it. We all know players who have grinded it out in the States and and somehow been able to figure out a way to get from USL to, to the pros, but it's, it's really, really challenging. And it's also... I don't know. I don't, I don't want to like discredit it, but like, I feel it's a bit of an easier path. If that makes sense. Like, would you guys agree with that? Like, I think in a way it's actually a little bit harder to go and take that leap and go over to Europe and try and make a name for yourself there and then bring that sort of resume over here. I mean, is that agree or disagree? Would you say Luca? Well, uh, I feel like, you know, when we when we look at our own experiences, it's easier for us to say that what we did is more difficult. Yes. I think in actuality, I think, you know, everything has comes with its own uh, set of difficulties. And, you know, they're all unique to each situation. I think the point the point that you do have when when you talk about the, the movement from between leagues in the u.s which is basically non-existent because because players don't really have the opportunity to get promoted they don't have the opportunity to get relegated so eyes are on you at a certain level but they don't really change you know it's it's not as if 
take, you know, John Smith, who plays on a USL League 2 side, you know, there might be some scouts from the USL League 1 coming to see him. There might be some scouts from the USL Championship coming to see him. But, you know, it's always going to be taken as, okay, he's on a USL League 2 team. He's a good player. Uh, can he make it at the USL League 1? Maybe. But there is this there is this disconnect where I feel like there are a lot of players in, in the U.S. who are just not really given the opportunity to move up because they're in a place. And in Europe, that doesn't exist. In Europe, you could be playing for a club in England that's in the south of England, and you'll have teams from the north, from you know the Midwest, the Mideast of, of England coming down to see you. You know, it's, it's, there's ample opportunity all around you and it's a really, um, it's a really connected sort of, uh, system that you're in, no matter what level, whether it's grassroots or whatever that you're in. Um, it's the same goes for Germany. The same goes for many other countries around Europe. Uh, but I do, I do agree with you in the respect that in, in the U S that pathway is is very difficult to navigate. So much of it relies on contacts. You know, who was your coach in college? Who was your coach at the USL League 2, the theoretical USL League 2 side that you're playing at? You know, and who does he know rather than what you can do on a football? And I think I think I was probably a bit harsh on the American pathway as well, but I want to I want to bring up the point of for even those players that get their first opportunity in the United States, like Austin mentioned the league, uh, NISA, I think it's called before, mm-hmm. right? Where a lot of former players that we played with in Germany are in that league now. And that's a league where you might think from the outside, okay, it seems like it's a bit established. They have some good branding. They have some good marketing. There's decent level of players that are there. Um, you know, it's a professional level, so to speak. That, that should be a good place for me to break mm. in. And we've talked to some of those guys. We kind of know what those contracts are like, what those actual living situations are like. And they're not everything that they're cracked up to be either. I mean, we can even be transparent because one of our former teammates, Spencer Muller, who's a guy who's big on YouTube and does a lot of stuff, came out and said his contract with LA Force was 300 bucks a month. So imagine having to figure out how to live in LA, like one of the most expensive cities in the world, and you're a professional footballer mm. and you get paid $300 a month, right? Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's your, so that's also another part of this is like wherever you go first probably won't be where you're able to extend that career for a super long time. Because even if that you have a fantastic season and you say, all right, let's renegotiate my contract. Like if you ask for a complete doubling of your contract you're still only at six hundred dollars a month (laughs) you just got a hundred percent raise and now oh geez i'm not even cracking a a g a month so yeah that's what that's why i wanted to have this conversation of like whatever is first that's going to be that that true test for you right the trial is a test whether you can get onto the club but then actually that first contract whether it be semi-pro overseas domestic whatever it's not going to be all sunshine and, and rainbows. So it's really like that first opportunity is going to make or break you, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. Dude, just to, just to build up on your point, 
you know, in Finland, they were not able to pay their players, but they had agreements, sort of unwritten agreements, unspoken agreements where, uh, well, spoken agreements, where, um, you know, we would pay for your food, mm. the club would, or we'd help you with your rent for an apartment or something like that. So they're, they're, even though they can't give you money, it's like, we will help you. And this was not just for me. This was for Finnish players, guys who live there, you know, guys who were going to school or doing stuff like that. They were helping them in some way. And I heard a story, you know, with, with the neighboring club or, or one of the rivals of, of the team that I was trialing for, where they would, where they would tell me that, that this club is the club where they don't help you at all. And they had a training session. I see one guy riding in this guy riding in on a bike with sandals on. And it's like, and, and he, and he's wearing like raggedy clothes and, and he comes to go train for this club. And I just thought to myself like that, that's awful. Like, you know, he, he's, he's probably biking. I don't know how many miles because it wasn't, it wasn't a club or the location where you were training. It wasn't close to a lot of residential area. So it was, it was a ways away. And I mean, you know, you could just kind of see that, that, I mean, there, there isn't a lot of infrastructure, especially at lower levels to support players. But when you look at a place like, I mean, what is NISA? Is, is NISA like, uh, the f- fourth tier of, I think yeah. it's, uh, US of the US third, triple. Yeah. It's I like, think, it's, it's I like, on like, I think it's like on par with a USL League right. One. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like we'll just we'll start a new league and then say it's the same level as another league. Like yeah, it's, it's right. That, but that's but that's not really true, is it? I, but I mean, you know, but there's no way to ever know. I don't, like I'm you not... can argue till you're blue in the face that one's better than the other. It's like it's like arguing exactly. which basketball team is going to win the NBA playoffs. Like some people say Golden State, some people say Boston. Like we're never going to get to a true actual right. bottom of the answer. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of baffling that, you know, like you said, a league comes out and they say that they are, they are, you know, equivalent to such and such league, but you know, there are, there are the other league that they're saying that they're equivalent to or better than actually has some sort of support structure for its players, or at least from the outside looking in, that's what it seems like. Um, you know, but, but when you look at, considering it as the fourth tier of American soccer, right? I mean, you look at other countries across the world and the fourth tier is usually a sort of, you know, I mean, dependent on the country, obviously dependent on the, on the infrastructure of the country and, you know, what they can actually afford to give players. It's usually a well taken care of uh, in a relatively developed country. It's usually a well taken care of, uh, step for players, you know, um, hearing that getting paid $300 a month at a professional level club is like, that's, that's really, really rough. I mean, like, especially to be in LA that the, if you were in, if you were in, you know, bumfuck Idaho, then maybe that's, you know, cool because you can farm corn in the meantime, but it's, but that's like, that is that is something, man. 
LA is not, you know, LA is no. Hey, no hold on, hold on, Brandon, Brandon, the do you, do you, Idaho listeners that are out there. Yeah, I was about to. I was about to ask. Do you know your demographic in a in in Idaho? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if we got any right, Idahoian I, I, listeners, I think we just lost all. I apologize for Luca. <laughs> Let's cross that one off the list. Austin, what are some of the conversations that you're having with clubs when you're going? Because Luca brings up a really good point there. Early on in your career, you might be negotiating a contract that maybe isn't necessarily a contract where you're going to get paid per game or per week or even per month, but maybe it's, hey, can you hook me up with an apartment? Can you help feed me? And maybe could you get me a job? Like maybe could you get me a job that's outside of football to help support me? And then I'll just play, you know, for free, but I'm doing something on the side. Like what are those conversations that you're having with clubs trying to negotiate those types of deals? Yeah. And actually in, um, uh, in Suda Elba, uh, we were actually discussing that, uh, before I left. Um, like they were saying, uh, okay, we can, uh, pass you some, like a, uh, we we can give you some money. Uh, it won't be that much because it was the end of the season. Finances were a little bit tricky to get around, um, but they're offering to pay me uh, pay me a little bit. Um, they hosted like camps and stuff like that, and and they said, uh, you, uh, you can be a coach and we'd pay you uh, for that." Um, uh, they'd help with a little bit of food. Um, but for me, at that moment in time, the most important thing uh, was if they could provide an apartment or like just like just a bed for me to stay at. Um, because in Hamburg, Hamburg is very expensive. It's like one of the most expensive cities to live in Germany. So even with like a little bit that they said that they would be able to pay me, it would have been just really rough to like find a place to actually live and then uh pay for like food and and everything else like that um on top of everything uh so like that's that's the kind of stuff that i talk about that i have my discussions like i like i I want housing like that's like a staple like if you can't pay me like actual cash it's I, I, that's fine as long as I as you can like get around that with like with food accommodation um at least giving me like a, a extra job on the side you know yeah yeah like that's kind of a barrier to entry for those those new players right like are you willing to come to a club and play for just housing and food like that's your you know, salary, so to speak, just being fed and having a house and somewhere to stay, you know, maybe it's not even a house or your own apartment. Maybe it's, you live in an apartment with four other teammates. Like, are you willing to do that? Or on the flip side of that too, maybe they're, they are in a good enough financial position where they can pay you a little bit, but the fact that they're giving you housing and food, they're really going to pay you 50 bucks a game or, you know, are you okay with your contract being completely, bonus structured where you get a certain amount if you actually make a starting uh an 18 for a game or a starting 11 or you get minutes or you get a win or you score a goal like those types of things are you okay with having a contract that's not fully guaranteed like those are again what i kind of bring up here those barriers to entry for those 
newer players that are going into opportunities. And it just comes down to those first one or two contracts. Are you willing to kind of grind it out a little bit? Because then on the back end, hopefully then you can come to the negotiating table with a little bit more, a bit more in your pocket to be able to to bargain yourself with. Like I was speaking to a goalkeeper a couple of weeks ago on the, on the show and his first ever contract was, I don't know, I think it was just food and housing and maybe like a hundred, 200 bucks a month. And then when he was over in Sweden, his first contract with this club was way lower than what he wanted. It was a thousand bucks a month. That was all he was being given. But then once he started playing well, he had already had a resume under his belt. Then he walked into the owner's office and was like, Hey, listen, you know, we need to negotiate this. Like, I've done really well for you guys. This is this is what I want. This is what I need to be able to get to continue to move forward with this club. But that only happens if you stick it out. You know, that only happens if you stick it out, you perform, and then you have that leverage of, yeah, I played for just housing and food forever long, but now it's time for us to have a different conversation if you want to keep me around and use my services. Yeah. It's those barriers to entry in the beginning. You know what I mean, Luca? Yeah, football. Football has to be your foundation. You, you, you know, um, you know, your best available, your best ability is your availability in a lot of ways, and and you have to be able to perform consistently, especially if you're not given necessarily what you want. You know, the way that you earn it is by playing well on the football pitch, delivering results, and uh, you know, there's there's a there's a severe disconnect, I think, with in, in terms of a lot of and you see it in the professional game as well, where people get paid ridiculous amounts of money and maybe they don't perform as well, you know, and there's this sort of level of comfortability. But something that I've taken from playing in the lower leagues, you cannot be comfortable ever because you have to be working as hard as you can to get everything. And anything that you that you feel like if you feel like it's coming your way, then you have to be able to work hard in order to achieve it or in order to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, that this is, you know, this is what I've done for you. What can you do for me? But it's all on the basis of football. I mean, that is, you know, working on your craft and being the best player that you can possibly be is the thing that is going to allow you to have conversations like that with with people. Mm-hmm. But if you don't perform, I mean, you have no, you have no feet, you have no feet to stand on, you know? Yeah. Cause a big thing I've learned is that everywhere you go, everywhere you, every time you think you're going to go into a level where, ah, uh, this is maybe a little bit of a lower level. I think I can do fine here. I don't think I'm going to be challenged that much. Like you realize just that there's good players everywhere in the world. You realize wherever you go, yeah. you're, <laughs> there's just good players that you would never even expect to see. All of a sudden you show up to a seventh division club in Germany and you're looking at this guy like, why is he here? This, Yeah, I had I had a couple of those, you know, guys that you that you saw that you thought every had every attribute to play at a high, high, high level. And it's bizarre. It's like you're, it's like it's like, why are you what are you doing here? You know, I think I think that between the three of us, we've probably gotten that a few times, like just, you know, going to lower league clubs and kind of, you know, people see the technical ability and they see the way that we can read the game. And they're like, what? 
that doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make sense it doesn't match up but this is also you know i know i'm i'm rambling but this is like a this ties into the fact that that you know growing up in a country for instance like spain where you're brought up in an academy system you're taught the ways of the club you're taught how to you know how to be a, a productive member of that club and you're taught how to how to be a part of of the system there are so many kids who even people who have quit in football but if you have conversations with them it's like yeah i used to play for i don't know Villarreal's academy and to us it's like that's a like that's a big deal you know you used to play at an, at a professional academy like that's that's insane to them it's like who cares you know you grew up in an academy system you're you're immediately put on display for people to see your abilities and i think when foreign players go over and people from those countries see what we can do they're sort of taken aback by why are you playing at this level because we've seen p- players with your ability maybe a little less than your ability playing at academies across the world you know and and it's 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 a it's kind of like a foreign concept to to them to to see a player that and also to us in a lot of respects because we're not brought up in that in that climate yeah yeah i think that's a perfect place to kind of to kind of wrap it up here if we put this with one common theme is that context for everyone in football is is really important and it's different for everyone so when i i bring up uh i bring up this this topic of what your first opportunity is going to look like contextually for everyone it will be so different because you'll have players that come up through an academy system and they look at football a certain way there's other players who go through college and university they look at it a certain way and there's other players who just grind it out in lower leagues and sunday leagues and and kind of in the shadows of the game and they look at football a certain way. So that, that first opportunity, whatever context you're coming from, you have to kind of go in with an open mindset of this is a starting block for me and let me see what I can level up after this. What can I parlay this into once I go and, and perform well at this opportunity? Um, but I, I know we've been going for a while, so I don't want to ramble too far because Austin's got to go and, serve an entire restaurant of a thousand people so he can make enough money to go to Germany this summer. And I think Luca is actually headed off to uh, go fix someone's electricity in their house. Um, yeah, he's about to clean he's got someone's the ready. He's got the wires ready. So uh, I don't want to keep these guys too long because they got day jobs to try and try and uh, fund the footy dream. So, yeah. Oh, this video is brought to you by Manscaped. <laughs> ah, yes, you forgot it. Manscaped. The ad's, the ad's going to be in the middle there, but uh, code 11. The, the, the lawnmower 3000 is probably going to be held in that shed that Luke is in. Oh, ab- most, it most was, definitely. Is it, is it industrial <laughs> it size? It was created in that shed. Luca also uses one in that shed as well. So you get the full experience. Uh, hey, if you, if, if you, if you look at uh, Luca's Instagram stories, you can tell that he uses Manscaped. Oh my god! <laughs> I told y'all at the top that we had two wild boys on the podcast today, and I was not lying to you. Um, but Jack, Jack, <laughs> I'm sure you will see them both again at oh some point god. down the road. Thank you to both of them for for jumping on and and talking footy with me. I always I always enjoy it. Thanks for having us, Brandon.
See you, pal. Love you guys. Thank you to Luca and Austin once again. And if you liked their story, you like what they had to say today, I would encourage you to go back and check out their previous episodes. Those will be linked down below. You can go and and get some more insight into what their football career has been like, what their journey has been like. Uh, I want to thank all you guys out there for listening. I appreciate the continued support. We've got two or three really big guests lined up that are coming over the course of the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned, get excited for those. And continue to, to share the podcast with, with people who you think it might be a good fit for. And continue to spread the good word about what this podcast is trying to do. Thank you so much. Thank you for bearing with me with uh, my cold. I hope to be better by the next couple episodes. You won't have to hear my raspy voice like this. But uh, I'll catch you guys on the next one.